people think, well, I'm saving a couple hundred dollars a month purchase or a thousand dollars a month purchasing over renting. But then you're, you know, that house is yours. There's no landlord to call when things break. It's all on you. Welcome back to the Wedding and Beyond podcast, where we provide you with tools and tips for planning your wedding and building a successful marriage. I'm your host, Sophia Jones, owner and creative director of Royal Occasions, Inc. We all know that planning weddings can be stressful enough, but when considering whether to buy or rent, that's a whole other subject. We all need somewhere to call home, and there are a lot of variables that come into play when trying to find a place to live. Here to help us figure some of this out is Janae Raymond, who is a licensed real estate agent. She's been licensed since 2010 and specializes in working with new families purchasing their first home, as well as with professional athletes and their families. Janae desires to provide her clients with an unforgettable experience during one of the most important times of their lives. Because of her commitment to delivering flawless, personalized service, more than 90% of her business to date has been referral-based. Welcome, Janaea. Hi. Thank you for joining us oh, I'm today. I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad to have you. So let's start today's discussion talking about credit scores. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> the dreaded credit score. Um, but we all know the credit in this country is very important. Yes, it is. So when it comes to purchasing a home, renting, you know, you can't do it without that. Right. So how important is a person's credit score when looking to rent or buy a home? Credit score with whether renting or buying is really vitally important. Um, it's essentially, you know, the make it or break it of whether you can. And a lot of people think that because they might feel like they're not in a position to purchase a home, they're going to rent. But landlords are also looking at credit score. It kind of tells a story without getting a chance to know the buyer or renter. And it lets a prospective landlord or bank know your profile. Mm -hmm. You know, are you responsible? Do you pay your bills on time? Right. Are you somebody they can trust? So even if you're renting, a lot of people do not realize that landlords will take a good look at your credit score. The requirements aren't as stringent as they are if you're purchasing that was going to be my next yeah. question. Yeah, but it's still very important. Um, primarily they're looking for things like, do you pay your credit card bills on time? They're looking for revolving credit. So your car loans, student loans aren't really as important uh, many times when it comes to renting, mm -hmm. nor are medical bills. But things like your credit cards, car loans, previous mortgage payments, they're looking at that kind of stuff in your profile to say, is this person responsible or not? So the credit score does weigh a little bit more heavily when buying. Yes. It is still important when renting. Yes. But it does weigh a little bit more heavily when buying. Yes, it does. You know, I have seen cases where someone's credit score totally disqualified them from renting a home, but it definitely is something that's more important when you're purchasing a home. That's a long-term commitment. Renting is usually a one-year, two-year lease, but right. purchasing a home is a 15, 20, 30-year commitment. Right. So a bank is definitely going to look more strongly at your credit profile, and they have absolute requirements they cannot go below. When renting, many times you're able to tell a story beyond what they see in your credit profile and say, well, I was sick and had, you know, missed a payment here. I was sick and, you know, wasn't able to take care of this this bill. And they'll look past it. But when you're purchasing a home, there is no looking past There's it. There's no looking past There's it. a minimum requirement. And the better your score, the better your rate. And you're talking about a long-term loan. So 
If you have a better rate early on, then 15 years later, you still have that rate. But if you're starting off with with a less than favorable credit score, then that sticks with you until you refinance it and take care of it later, later on. So what's considered a good score and what's considered a bad score? That sometimes is dependent upon the type of financing situation that you're in. I've seen FHA buyers purchase a home with a 620 credit score. And I've seen conventional buyers purchase a home with a 750 credit score. So there's minimum requirements, Mm -hmm. you know, that typically we like you in the mid 600s starting point. Mm -hmm. But I always encourage buyers to get it as high as you can, because the higher your score is, then the better your rate's going to be, which means the less amount of money you're paying the bank because you're less risky over a long period of time. So the, the higher your score, the less you're going to pay in interest. Right. What's the highest credit score a person can have? You know, we were talking about that because my my uh, mortgage broker ended up with this client with this ridiculous credit score that was so high. We were like, we didn't even know it goes that high. So I think they've changed that a little bit. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, I'm not 100% sure because I really deal with buyers once they've already been qualified and they come to me with their pre-qualification so I like to just kind of get them set up, but I get them hooked up with the right broker, depending on the kind of loan structure they want. Mm-hmm. And then from that point, they work with me. So a lot of times I'm not even, I have clients and I don't even know what their credit score is because they come to me and they're already, they're ready, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Got it. So when it comes to thinking about where we as a couple going to live, when do you think this should be a topic of conversation for the couples, you know, you know, right. this, this is about planning your your wedding and planning for your marriage. Yeah. But where in that process, you know, should this conversation come up? Not even just about where we're going to live, but credit scores. Right, right. And whether to buy or not buy, you know, right. those are conversations I encourage early on. It's such a big decision. And, you know, what if you're dating someone who never has an aspiration to purchase a home, you know, and that's something that's on your immediate goals. So I definitely think, you know, during the conversations of how many kids do you want? You know, do you see yourself in Florida for a long time or New Jersey, wherever you're living? Mm -hmm. You know, those are the kind of conversations I would like to have. And I encourage couples to have from an early um, dating time Mm -hmm. and also talking about finances. You Mm -hmm. know, when you're going over and you're dating someone, things are getting serious and you're saying, okay, let's look over each other's finances. And many times couples are doing that in premarital classes then I definitely think it's something that you should know what your, you know, soon to be spouse's credit score is because it tells just like to a bank or a landlord tells a story, you know, it doesn't mean it's per se a deal breaker, but maybe there's always like they say the free spirit and the nerd. Right. You know, you need to know this person that I'm, you know, looking to spend the rest of my life with, what does their credit profile say about them? I think at least just to know so you know what you're getting. Right. It's a conversation I would definitely encourage to have early on. Okay. And then what things should they have in mind outside of the credit score when deciding whether or not to rent or buy? Um, You know, I talk a lot to couples getting married about depending on where their financial situation is, whether it's best for them to purchase right after they get married. I had a couple recently that gotten married and I knew that they were, you know, spending a lot on their wedding. It was their dream wedding. And if you're if, if it's if you can put down you know, 10% on a home and not think about it or 20% on a home and not think about it, 
then I would say in your first year, you should purchase a home. Mm -hmm. But if it's something that's going to be an added stress, purchasing a home is a great stress. Mm -hmm. So awesome privilege to be able to do in our country, be able to buy your first home. But it's a very stressful time and you're just getting married. Many Mm -hmm. times you're just coming off of a wedding that I'm sure when you recap the stories, it was a stressful time just because things happen. It's a big decision Mm -hmm. that I don't encourage couples always to have to make that their one year goal. You know, I'd say get to know each other now married. And I sometimes, you know, it's always better to buy over renting when you're talking about saving money because Mm -hmm. it's more expensive to rent than it is to buy a home. Mm -hmm. But it's such a stressful process. You're getting to know each other. Do you even know what kind of home you want? Mm -hmm. I don't always encourage couples to add that stress on in their first year. In the first year. Yeah. Because, you know, I know there's couples that will buy a home before they get married, yeah. you know, or six months before or whatever, it, because they have the finances right. to be able to do so. And if you're able to, then, yeah, I would say, you know, go for it if you can. But if it's something that's going to add stress to an already stressful time, and mm-hmm. I hate to say stressful because sometimes it's got such a negative connotation yeah, with it. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's a lot going on. Just stress doesn't have to be a bad thing if right. you're managing it well. Right. But the idea is and the reality of it is, is that purchasing a home is such a big decision that I feel like if it's something that you have to figure out where every dollar is going to come from to make that decision, it may not be the best decision to make in your first year. Give yourself some time, get an apartment, furnish it, you know, get excited about it and then purchase a home if that's if that's the financial situation that you're in. Mm -hmm. Okay. so then my next question then would be, is home ownership for everyone? When I think about that question, I think about, you know, throwing it back on what you may say to some couples is, you know, to some people is marriage for everyone. You know, I think in reality, everyone, every person could get married and every person could purchase a home. Is that the best decision for them? Are they prepared for home ownership? Are they prepared for marriage? You know, I think if you're a person that's a saver, you're very responsible with your money, then yeah, you know, then you're probably the right person to purchase a home. But if you're some, you know, purchasing a home when the roof leaks or your kitchen pipes burst, you know, those are expenses that you have to take on. Mm -hmm. So I do think that every person has the potential to purchase a home, but I don't know if every person is in the right place in their life in every moment to purchase a home. Right. You know, if you don't, if you're not, you don't have a savings account, you haven't prepared for, to purchase a home, you have less than park credit, mm-hmm. so you're going to get a terrible rate, it may not be the right time for you. But I do encourage people to purchase a home if it's in the right stage of their life. I've had many people come to me, single and married, asking me about purchasing a home. And there are times I say, you know what, give yourself a year. Mm-hmm. You know, because people think, well, I'm saving a couple hundred dollars a month purchase or a thousand dollars a month purchasing over renting right but then you're you know that house is yours there's no landlord to call when things break it's all on you so (laughs) you know so I don't I don't think purchasing a home is for everyone at every stage of everyone's life Mm -hmm. you know because if you're newly divorced you may not want to purchase a home you know if you're just getting married and then you find out you have a honeymoon baby on the way may not be the best time to purchase a home right you know if you're someone that spends every dollar that you get in you're probably not you know it's not in your cards right now to purchase a home because when then things happen you're going to be stressed out you know you're going to be frustrated and upset that you made such a large purchase 
and it's all all those repairs are looking right back at you. Right. Yeah. And and I think a lot of times people don't think about that when they look at the, you know, um, the idea of having a home. They yeah. think about, oh, we want a home and you know, you go on everybody's Instagram and yeah. you know, they're living their it's perfect the lives. Dream. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, but you don't think about like you said, a pipe breaking or yeah. the roof needing repairs and that's several thousand dollars that you didn't account right. for or right. plan for and it's not in your bank account. Right. So now what do we do? Right. You go and you probably use a credit card or have to borrow money to get it done, yeah. you know, or the repairs doesn't happen and then your house loses value and all yeah. of these different things. I so. mean, if you think about it, you take a couple that's getting ready to get married. What's the first thing you may ask them? I mean, most wedding coordinators aren't as interested, I don't think, as you are into a couple's goals immediate and beyond their wedding day. Right. So you take a couple, then you say, okay, have you gone through premarital classes? Mm-hmm. What steps have you taken to assure you're going to have a successful marriage? Well, those are the same questions I ask people when they're going to purchase a home. Have you gone through a first-time homebuyer's course? How much money do you have saved up? Do you have a slush fund in saved up so that when you purchase, you haven't spent every... When you tell me I need to save up a paycheck for closing day, uh-uh. You're not ready. This, you're not ready, you know? So I think we kind of ask the same questions to couples when we really care because I could just sell you a home and I don't care, but I do. I want to make sure that beyond that closing date, you can furnish your home. Mm-hmm. You know, you have... I know I'm a homeowner. I know what it takes to make this machine run and it's the same thing as getting married that you want to make sure these couples have taken the right steps to assure they have a lasting marriage. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that in five years you haven't regretted your decision to purchase a home because you brought it prematurely. Right, right, right. So should couples then, you know, with all that we've just said, should they feel stressed or pressured, whether it's because they're trying to, I shouldn't say compete with anybody, but sometimes yeah. compete with or because they think that that's the norm, should they f- take on that pressure of saying, well, yeah, I need to buy a house? Absolutely or, not. You Just know. like you shouldn't feel pressure because you're dating someone and you're still unsure if that's you know the one that God has set aside for you. Mm-hmm. And you go and say, I'm going to get married because all my friends are married. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I really like to sit down and ask my my buyers, you know, those real life questions. Where are you living now? When you're purchasing, where, you know... Where's all the money coming from? Are you depleting your 401k to purchase this home? You know, what are your goals beyond purchasing a home? You know, what 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 else do you want to do with your life? Because I, that determines also what type of home you need. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I mm-hmm. want to get married. I want to have kids. I want two dogs. So I think that, you know, with that same idea in mind, you don't want to make you don't want to make a decision like that because all your friends have purchased a home right, you know right. especially when you're counting your coins to do it mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. one thing it's like listen i have a couple hundred thousand dollars sitting aside i want an investment property or i want my first home you know or you have a savings account set up but if it's just because all your girlfriends are doing it or all all your boys are buying their first home this year i'm going to go out and set that same goal I don't, I'm not with keeping up with the Joneses, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I'm about setting my own, you know, and encouraging my, my home buyers to set their own goals and make sure it's the right decision for them Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it's a 30 year commitment. Right. And then the house that's right for one person. Right. 
may not be the, the house that's right for another couple because right. a couple that may not want children right away could probably do with a condo right. or town a home. town home. Mm-hmm. Whereas a couple who know within the first couple of years of marriage or right. first five years of marriage, they want to have. Or if they're a blended family, right. they come into the marriage right. with kids, right. then they, they have different, you know, I'm all mm-hmm. about goals because everyone's path and what they have going on is so different mm-hmm. that I never, you know, in those kind of situations, whether it's buying a home, moving out of state, getting mm-hmm. married, you have yeah. to have your blinders on because if you're looking at what everyone else is doing, then you're off course. There's mm-hmm. no way you can walk straight looking left, right. you know? So you got to walk your path and make sure you're doing and what you feel in your heart is your time to do so that you're not making decisions based on what you're trying to impress someone with or that you feel like my t- my you know, home buying clock is ticking. No right. such thing. Right. I have first time home buyers who are 50 years old, mm-hmm. you know, like right. it wasn't their time. Right. They raised their kids. They put their kids through private school. You know, everyone's got their own things. So it's like, imagine had they said, well, all my friends are buying in their thirties. I needed to buy and I sacrificed certain things that needed to be done then. No, her time was when she was 50 years old. It right. was her 50th birthday present. She bought her first home. Right. That's Same awesome. excitement. Right. You know? Right. That's awesome. When it comes to purchasing, if if that's the decision that a couple's made, what should they have put aside as far as a down payment as well as closing costs? Because sometimes closing costs are covered by the seller, right. but not all, to, all right. the time. So and it depends on the market you're in. Like in South Florida, in a seller's market, it's very unlikely you're going to get a seller to give you money to buy their home. You Got know. It. So there's different financing types. So you have an FHA loan, which is a government loan, which is three and a half percent down. And typically we say it's another about six percent for closing costs. So mm-hmm. It's essentially nine and a half percent of whatever that purchase price is to purchase that home. Nine and a half percent. Right. OK. Of the purchase price. And then you have conventional loans, depending on credit, debt to income, which that's another big thing is, you know, how much debt do you have? Because that will take away from what you'll qualify for for a home. You can have five percent. Conventional, which is 5% down, 10% down. The best situation is 20% down because then you're not having mortgage insurance. And mortgage insurance is an added cost every month that's added onto your loan because the bank is saying, hey, you have less than 10% you're putting down. I don't really trust you that much. So I'm going to charge you an insurance on this loan. So if you default, we're going to be able to collect our money. So you're kind of, you know, you're paying for not having enough. Right. The ideal situation is someone with 700 credit scores, 20% down. And I always like to say you have three to six months saved up outside of your closing costs and down payment. And the three to six months, why would you say that saved up? Um, That just allows for incidentals. You know, that allows that things happen. You're now a homeowner. Mm -hmm. So I always like to say that, you know, emergencies happen if you lose your job or God forbid, you know, you get ill, that you have three to six months that you'll be able to, most people are able to recover within that time frame. Within that time frame. Yeah. I mean, anything more than that, of course, is great. But just keeping in perspective that everyone has, you know, a ton of money just kind of sitting around in a bank. We're all working class, you know. So I just say in an ideal situation, three to six months. Mm -hmm. So the 20% down, does that include the closing costs? No, it does that's not. just your down payment. And closing costs is typically how much? About 9%. About, well, actually, a, really about 6%. I'm about sorry, 6%. about 6%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So that's still depending on, you know, in Florida right now, the average home of a um, price of a home is what? 200,000, 250? Mm, 250, yeah. 300. Yeah. 20% you know. of 250,000 is a lot. a lot of money. It's a lot. So most people, Even 6% yeah. is a lot of money. Most of my first time home buyers buy FHA. 
And then the first like two years when they've made a little bit of money, they go ahead and refinance it and get into a better loan when they have some equity in the house. Because that's the cool thing about living in Florida. Yes, it's expensive homes and it costs a lot to get in. But our houses appreciate so much that most of the time you're able to see kind of see your return on that uh, within the first, you know, couple years. I, I'm thinking back to the recent mm-hmm. real estate crash, crash, <laughs> boom. And, you know, there were a lot of people that were refinancing homes and stuff like that. So and most times people get 30 year mortgages. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend refinancing? If you're going into a better loan. Yes. OK. If you're refinancing from a 30 year loan. Because now you have, let's say you bought a house for 200000 and it's appreciated, you know, and you have 20% worth of equity, mm-hmm. then I would recommend, yes, getting out of the FHA loan and refinancing into a conventional loan, 15-year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then going ahead and knocking out those payments and setting a goal of trying to pay that house off. Okay. So you would recommend if you're going to refinance, to refinance to a 15-year yes. loan instead of another 30-year loan. Getting rid of loan. mortgage insurance. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I hate mortgage insurance. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> mortgage insurance is a no-no. Right. It's a no-no. So I'm going to go back to renting versus buying. Buying. Mm-hmm. What are some advantages of renting? Um, landlord... We need a new light bulb in the <laughs> bathroom. <laughs> My fridge won't stop, <laughs> you know, making noises. That I think is like I dream of calling my landlord, you know. Yeah. But um, I want to call mine now. Yeah. And I don't have one exactly. to call. <laughs> call yourself. <laughs> so, um, you know, those are some of the advantages. Um, you know, if you can get into a rental that doesn't cost, you know, an arm and a leg, maybe let's say you want your ideal home is a three bedroom, two bathroom, ranch style home. And your mortgage payment would be, I don't know, $1,800 a month. And then you can find a rental that's like an apartment that's a two bedroom with a den, two bathroom. And it's, you know, a little smaller than what you want for $1,300 a month. Then I say, you know, you're still able to save and reach that goal. So I don't always think that renting is the worst thing. I think when people get stuck into it sometimes and you get really comfortable there and you're not working on your credit um, because you, uh, you are throwing your money away. I mean, if you look at how much you spent in a year when you've rented somewhere, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. But I think that if you're in a position, maybe you started a new job or you're in school or you're having a new baby. It's it's a, it is a lot less stressful because you're not having to worry about anything. You're not stuck there. Right. In 12 months you can leave and go yeah. anywhere, right. you know, and right. just get out of your lease. When you're when you own, you have to decide because that mortgage payment's coming whether you're in that house or not. Right. Right. And then the you know, in South Florida right now, you know, the cost of rent is just, just as expensive as owning a house, yeah. but you know, again, you don't have you have somebody else to call on right. when something needs to be fixed. Right. So, you do have to consider that. Yeah. How much of a couple's income would you advise that they budget for rent or mortgage every month Um, or what percentage? That's more of like a mortgage broker question because I don't always go over that part of it. You know, with clients, I know that if I if I do have it, I typically say about 35 percent of your income because that's the income around the income range that a mortgage broker is looking at. But um, I just always tell them that based on whatever you want to afford, first of all, I always advise clients that especially newly married, try to live off one income. You know, that's really the best way to live is to try your best to go off of one income. I think that was one of the first pieces of advice that my husband and I got that we found very useful and helpful 
Like, you know, we didn't have two car payments. I don't even think our whole marriage, we had two car payments. You know, we always try to have one car payment, make it where one person can take care of the house because at any moment something could happen. Mm -hmm. So I would, um, you know, always tell them that whatever they feel that they can afford in a mortgage payment, go less for rent. And then, okay. you know, try their best to budget it as much as they can. I mean, it's ex- where we live is expensive. I know other parts of the country are much more reasonable and, you know, set up for a one income family. Right. We're not in that area per se, um, especially a lot of my clients. You know, I have a lot of clients that have just finished school and, you know, they're kind of transitioning into their careers. But um, if I had to give them a number, I'd say around that 30, 35 percent of their income okay. going towards saving for a home. Great advice. Um, You mentioned, you know, what you and your husband did or piece of advice you guys got. Mm -hmm. But is there anything else that during your marriage that has helped you guys and that you now, any other advice you would now offer your clients based on life experience? Yeah, um, I would say one thing was I wish we had waited a little longer to have a baby. I love, you know, of course, you have to say the disclaimer in case she ever hears this. I love my daughter. (laughs) She was such a present. But, you know, you're getting to know each other and, you know, doing it in a way where we didn't live together before we got married. You know, we didn't know each other in that way before we got married. We were really young. So, you know, I I tried. I wish we would not have taken on so much so early. We got married. We had my daughter. She was eight months old. We bought our first home. And it was just felt like the world was coming at us. So that that comes in between you a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So we've had to 11 years later kind of go back over the years to kind of say, okay, what do we like to do? We didn't take vacations. We didn't do things that we really did realize we did like to do because we had taken on so much. Even with planning a wedding, you know, when couples ask me, of course, because they come to me many times before they're finished, you know, they haven't actually gotten married. They're still in the planning process. and They have a date set. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to encourage them like it's one day, you know, and when you're purchasing your home, it doesn't it's not your my favorite line is it's not your forever home. Right. This is a starter. This is the start of your life together. Right. It could be your forever home, but doesn't have to be. Right. So even with that, it's like, you know, don't take all your money and pay for a wedding surely don't take every little bit you have to buy a home you have to live and enjoy a little bit you know Mm -hmm. and I think that looking back those are pieces that we kind of miss because it is that thing a little bit of well this is what's expected you get married you know you have a baby Mm -hmm. well we have a baby now we have to buy a home it's like you know those are there's no cookie cut way of planning out your life so I think if we could go back it's just not taking on so much that's why I say stress maybe Mm -hmm. that's my own experience a little bit speaking Mm -hmm. but I think that I try to encourage couples like I I had one that I you know good friends with that they posted they were having a nerf gun war in their apartment you know and Mm -hmm. it was just like that's what being a newlywed is all about. Having I mean, fun. Yeah. Enjoying like, each other. You know, getting married, it's like you wake up and you're like, who is this? Like, you know, <laughs> what did I do? Mom, come pick me up, you know. Can I come home? Can I please come home? <laughs> you know, it's such a big, a big transition that, you know, I try. Yes, I would love to sell everyone a home, you know, but I know that everyone's time is not when they come to me. So I try to encourage them to kind of 
find their flow and mm-hmm. they'll know just mm-hmm. like you know this was you knew this was the one for you mm-hmm. you know when it's time to decide to start having a baby mm-hmm. you'll know when it's time to buy a home right. and you have to think that hard and force it that much this may not be it's the right not time. The time yeah yeah one you know and i think it's you know like you said if couples would take the time once they first get married to get to know each yeah. other and develop that you know things happen life happens right. but have those nerf yeah well, you know nerf gun fights yeah and, but hopefully carry that on too you don't want to have so much stress in your life that you don't carry that on throughout the years of right. your marriage because right. life happens and as you continue with each other there are going to be things that come up and that are going to add additional stress That's to the so marriage true. but you've got to find ways to have fun and remember who you married and why you married right. them and that's part of or that's key, I think, yeah. to having a successful Because marriage. you're always like, and I think we all are like this just kind of in human nature. Mm-hmm. You're always looking for the next thing. Right. Okay, you buy your house, now what? Well, now we got to start right. a business. Okay, we start a business, now what? Okay, we have to, you know, we need another baby. Okay, you know, it's just like when you get married, it's the first thing people ask you. When's the baby coming? Right. Then you have a baby, you're not even at the hospital, and they're asking you, well, when you have another one? one? You know, it's like, <laughs> then it's when you're going to buy a house. Right. Oh, this house is too small, you need another house, you know? Right, right. It's just like this unattainable life. So right. I do agree with you that it's just, you know, finding your groove and having fun while you're doing mm-hmm. it. Having mm-hmm. fun in your wedding process, mm-hmm. having fun in your home buying process. Mm-hmm. Everything's a process. Right. So enjoying it at the end of the day like I used to say if I'm in a paper bag as long as with my husband it's all I care about because I learned that we were adding so much stress because it was just like once you reach this this goal now it's another goal you don't get a chance to enjoy the goal that you just achieved because it's on to the next right and it's like I've learned to just slow it down a little bit that's awesome so 11 years (laughs) 11 years (laughs) that's awesome you know we're gonna wrap up here but you've given us a lot of information and hopefully everybody's listening and that they can take away something from this but if there was like one thing you either wanted to reiterate or leave with you know our listeners today what would that takeaway be um I think you know which I hope was my main theme um just kind of trusting everyone's individual process you know and not not setting too much expectations because you know in your sphere it's mostly newly engaged mm-hmm. newly married couples right i would want them to just enjoy their process you right. know and that if their goal which it is an american dream to mm-hmm. own a home yes. you know it is such a pride in owning your own property but it will come right you know and i think if everyone could trust their process not the problem well, my parents got married and in three months they bought their first home like that may not be your story, you know? So I think if, if one piece could walk, everyone could walk away with was I have to trust my own process. And I, I and I, and then in that know what steps you're doing, cause it's not like have faith and do nothing. It's, right. you know, having goals and setting them and, you know, saving and getting your credit together. But at the end of the day, just trusting their process. Then I think that they'll be successful. Yeah. That's, that's um, everything you said. I think it's, it's great advice and, and I think it will get people to look at home ownership in a different light. I hope so. You know, um, and help to alleviate some of the stress. Yeah. I think we put on ourselves or couples put on themselves and allow other people to put on them. Right. You know, right. Um, there are families who can afford to 
pay for their daughter's weddings, give them a down payment on her home. Right. But in a day and age where couples are waiting longer to get married and they're paying for most of it themselves, Mm -hmm. these are things that they now, you know, they may not have someone to give them a down payment. Right. And you may want to think about, do I put all of it on a wedding? And if you have it to do it, then yeah, go right ahead. I'm happy for you. And I want you to do that. But then you don't want to get married and then, the next morning be like, well, where are we going to, right. where are we living? Right. You know, these are things. <laughs> so this is, yeah. this is good. This yeah. is good. Cause I want couples to just stop thinking about that day. Right. That moment. That moment, that mm-hmm. one moment in time mm-hmm. that's going to be captured and hopefully will be a beautiful and a memorable event, but have goals. Yeah. And think about where they're going with their future. Yeah. So Janaea. Aww. Thank you. No, thank you I for having me. I'm so excited. This was fun. Yes. <laughs> we'll definitely have to have you guys back. We'd have love you to. and your husband back. Oh, sure. Definitely. <laughs> thank so you. So that's it for tonight, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Wedding and Beyond podcast. For more advice on planning your wedding and preparing for a successful marriage, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. Follow us on Instagram at Royal Occasions and visit our website at www.royalocasionsinc.com.